On your best mix of music, 98.4, Capital FM. I haven't seen Davina like this uh, ever. Uh, it's like you're meeting a real-life pop star, as you put it. It, it. She's basically, we have literally got Kenya's environmental Beyonce in studio with us. Honestly, really. 98.4, Capital FM, every day is a learning day. And I have been harassing this lady on social media like like nothing so, before. So she finally buckled and said, fine, she did. if you'll just stop... DMing me, I'll come in and talk to you. But Brady, I know you don't feel this because you've got the blue tick. But when you message someone with a blue tick or with someone with such a big following, you're like, they're never, they're never going to even open my message. They're never even going to reply. So when, when this lady replied, she has, she has so much going on. She has so much on her plate, and she is here in studio with us. I can't look directly at her because I am already blushing. Uh, let me please introduce Claire Nasike at Miss Nasike on social media. She is an environmental scientist, a food systems practitioner, but she works for Green with Greenpeace Africa. And I know I'm missing so much out. Claire, thank you and welcome to Capital FM. Thank you so much for having me, Davina. <laughs> I'm really happy to be here. I'm so excited. Yeah. Firstly, just, you know, we all try and do good things and do better, but you're actually doing those things. Please tell us a little bit about your background and your work. Thank you very much. Uh, for my background, I studied environmental science at the Technical University of Kenya, and I'm currently uh, finalizing my studies, master studies, agroecosystems and environment at the University of Nairobi. That's a lot Hoping of to graduate in uh, <laughs> December. Amazing. Aside from that, uh, I love environment. I love nature. I've grown up um, in um, cultural background, uh, preserving nature. I grew up with uh, my grandma, who was a herbalist. Shags? You're in Shags? <laughs> Yes. Yeah. So my grandma was a herbalist. So I ended up knowing a lot of um, trees and their cultural use, be it medicinal and all that. And that is what um, sparked my interest in environmental studies. Claire, this is like, I've got to warn you. I've got to warn you. Okay. Mm hmm. You know, there are people out there who are just, they're driving to work, they're using expressway things, they don't want to be listening to some dirty hippies mm. like us. But I brought you in specifically because please, Lord, explain this GMO vibe to us. Mm -hmm. There's so much in the media about GMO lifting the ban, bringing it back, using pesticides. I read uh, over the weekend 44% of total volume of pesticides used in Kenya are banned in Europe. So I'm not going to make it easy for you this morning. You're here to mm -hmm. inform us if that's okay with you. Definitely, definitely. This is what I do. This is uh, what I'm passionate about. So I'm really happy to talk about it. Okay, brilliant. We're going to take a quick, quick break. Remember, you can ask anything you want of Claire Nasike. She is the expert in studio with us. 0701-984-984. We're going to be explaining GMOs and how it doesn't actually stand for Good Morning Oligosaili, which is what I thought <laughs> earlier on. 98.4 Capital FM What actually is GMO in a sentence? Yeah, there we go. That's good. GMOs are genetically modified organisms. Okay. So these are either plants or animals that they have their DNA altered. So their DNA has been altered. So if we have a plant here, let's say a maize plant, you incorporate the DNA of another species that is not maize. So for example, BT maize, which is a GM maize. So you incorporate, you take the DNA of, of a maize variety 
and then you take the DNA of Bt. Bt is a soil bacteria. So you mix the two together. So that means GMOs are organisms that have their DNA modified, and yeah. these organisms are not from the same species. Okay, so so my argument obviously would always be that you know where there's where there's an introduction of an idea, mm. there's a reason behind that idea, right? Mm. In this country, the reason behind that idea is to create more food security, correct? GMOs, I completely understand. Davina has broken it down for me and like militantly over the course of the last few weeks since it's this short sighted. Since this had come, absolutely. But there'll always be the argument that we need to feed people. So I know there needs to be a long term plan for food security, which we need to put in place. But what is the short term plan? Wouldn't GMO be the short term plan? I beg to uh, disagree with you, Farid, on that um, because GMOs are not the short-term plan. When we look at the introduction of GMOs into a country, we need to be asking ourselves different questions. First of all, there's the introduction of the GM seed, which, they, which our country says that we can actually now plant and we can import GM maize crops that have already been you know, planted, harvested, and they can be imported to Kenya. That's to address food insecurity. So when we import GM seeds, what we are indirectly saying is that Kenya has a seed problem. That Kenyans, like Kenyan farmers, don't have seed. They don't have good quality seed. Okay. Which is untrue. When we move to importing the GM maize itself for consumption, what we are doing is that we are opening up the, our market to the U.S. companies that produce GMOs. So, so you're saying we should be self-sufficient exactly. and food secure. But again... If you we were talking about this earlier, uh, if you look at Kenya as a business, mm-hmm. perhaps it's been mismanaged for X amount of decades, right? Mm-hmm. We still need to start managing it correctly. Maybe this is the government that's going to start the CEO we need. I'm putting it in business terms. There's mm-hmm. still going to be a process before we are food secure and before we can say, okay, we're ready to feed ourselves. All right, Farid, I'd like to mention that food security in Kenya is more of Food insecurity, rather, it's a structural problem. But that's exactly Kenya. what I'm saying. Exactly. And and allow me explain. So it is a structural problem in the sense that we've got a lot of food being wasted. Like every year, around 576,000 tons of, of food is wasted. Okay. We have seen farmers in Nyandarua saying that they've got a lot of food that they can share with the starving communities in Wajia, in Kilifi and all that. So why doesn't so, that happen? Exactly. So that's the, the, the work the government should be doing. Instead of running for quick fixes such as GMOs, the government should be making sure that we have infrastructure that protects farmers or prevents farmers from undergoing losses, food loss. So that food is then stored, let's say in a cold store, that food can be stored and then transported to the areas that are in need right. or it can be processed and it can be used later on. So, for example, if we have tomatoes, can those tomatoes be processed into paste, that paste stored in cold room, right. and then in a season where we don't have tomatoes, we can use that. So it's a structural and infrastructural issue. Precisely. Okay. And also, it's a mindset issue because it does feel like a select fl- few, a, a small number of people are looking, are grabbing for a short, short, quick fix to make them look good in the media, and we are here at 98.4 Capital FM with Claire Nasike to say, no, 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 no. This is detrimental. Precisely. And if you look at the G- the issue of GMOs, it's all about the control of the seed. Because what these multinational companies are selling to us, they're selling to us a technology, a technology that is patented. Because GM seeds, mm. like I've So it's like Big Pharma in a way, Exactly. Right? Yes, it is. Yeah. They're selling us the seed. Okay. Oh, my God, so, I love and, her. And on that note, before we take a quick break, um, I do have some GMO, some positive benefits of 
GMO, which you've already addressed a number of them. More nutritious food, they say, is a possibility. Is that correct? Oh, happy. I beg to differ with okay. that. Um, from the studies that have been done, and there has been no conclusive study that has come up, independent conclusive study that has come out and said that GMOs are more nutritious than our local varieties of crops such as uh, sorghum, such as millet. Okay. In fact, if you look at it from a nutritional perspective, our millet that farmers have been growing since time immemorial is more nutritious than, than the maize. Even the, the conventional maize, leave alone the GMO maize mm. that, that, we, that is being fronted to us. Do we not realize as a country how nutritious our food is because GMO it sounds to me I'm not saying I'm converted yet but it sounds to me like we would have essentially remove the mama and bogas and, and all of this from I mean if if this goes forward because it'll be the sort of like pre-packaged pre-arranged here here's your bananas here's your tomatoes here, you know what I mean exactly and that actually takes away the ability of farmers to produce because when we are going to import GM maize right we are giving precedence or we're giving First priority to the U.S. companies. Remember, we have farmers in Kenya that produce maize. In Transzoya, in Eldoret, we have farmers that produce maize. And in Kenya, we produce about 40 to 45 million bags. And we need about 55 to 60 million bags. So, so we're very normally, close. Yeah, so we normally have a deficit of about 10 to 15 million bags. And this maize that we normally have as a deficit, we import from countries like uh, Uganda, from Tanzania. So when we give precedence to the U.S. companies mm -hmm. to export their GMAs into our country. What are we doing to the farmers? Okay. We are killing their livelihoods. So farmers are not able to produce. What happens to the 40, 40 million bags that farmers produce annually? What, what will we do with that? Where will the farmers go? And then there's also the issue of seed that is rarely talked about because if these seeds are patented, they are owned by these GM companies. And we have seen cases where our farmers have been sued for using these um, GM patented seeds. <laughs> and I'll give you an example. So you grow GM maize, and then the, the farmer next door does not grow GM maize, grows the conventional GM, the conventional maize. So cross-pollination happens. You cannot cr control cross-pollination. Could happen by wind or by bees. You can't control that. So if cross-pollination happens, and then you end up, the, the, the farmer growing local maize varieties ends up with the GM maize varieties on their farm. The inspectors, obviously they're, they're going to be the GM inspectors. When they come to visit the farms and they find that a farmer has grown GM maize that, that was not purchased from the recommended agrovets or, or stores, then that farmer is in problem. We have seen this happen in India. Farmers were sued for having grown GM potato varieties. And that case was later on uh, thrown out of court. And that's, a, that's strictly a result of cross-pollination. Yes, cross-pollination. We've seen farmers in, in Brazil. They were actually suing Monsanto. Monsanto is one of the companies that owns the, 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 GM, uh, the GM patents. Okay. They have sued them because they cannot replant those GM seeds. So if we introduce GM seeds on key crops such as maize, what are we doing to our farmers? Fair enough. Human beings tinkering around and making things worse. We like a long-term plan here. We like a long-term view. Get your questions in to my favorite person in the world right now, Claire Nasike from Greenpeace Africa in studio with us. 98.4 Capital FM this love i think for davina it might be with claire in studio because uh well <laughs> I'm, I'm, no you know what it is it's like i have these 
I have these beliefs and I have these feelings that that you know we shouldn't be tinkering with things. We should be going pure. We should be trying to be as best as we can be. And then you're an actual person who has actual facts and who can articulate them without umming and ahhing like me. We have lots of WhatsApps to get through. Thank you so much. Edu, you say, uh, enjoying the interview, it's very informative. I have one question, though. Are GMO foods linked in any way to cancerous cells in human bodies? Um, thank you very much for that question, Edu. Um, so, so far, there has been no conclusive studies uh, on the on epidemiological impacts of um of GMOs on, on human health. And there's also been no conclusive studies on the impact of GMOs on the environment. So what that means is that the the research that is out there in the scientific journals, uh, speaking now from a scientist's perspective, mm-hmm. the research that has been done in the scientific journals is not independent. It is by the probiotechnology um, researchers that try to front GMOs as, as safe. But when it comes to now concluding whether GMOs are safe for consumption or not safe for consumption, there has been no conclusive studies that is independent of proprietary interests. So so whether they're safe for consumption or not safe for consumption, we know that uh, food grown naturally is safe for consumption. Precisely, right? precisely. So you'd rather know that yes. what I'm buying from my kiosk up the road is safe for consumption than something that may or may not be safe for consumption. Right? Exactly. Except that opens the question up to pesticides, and that's a whole nother mm-hmm. bag of bag but, of treats, But there is, a, there is a comment I did find, uh, a mm-hmm. statistic, or maybe, uh, uh, anyway, it says here that, uh, so I'll give you all the things of uh, the possible benefits of genetic engineering include more nutritious food, as we mentioned, mm-hmm. tastier food, they say, which I think is up in the air, right? Mm-hmm. Disease and drought-resistant plants that require few environmental resources, such as water and fertilizer. Mm-hmm. Less use of pesticides is mm-hmm. that a, a, a increased supply of food that we've discussed that mm-hmm. uh, and faster growing plants and animals. That was, okay. Those are the positives. All right. So it is important for people to understand. I'll, I'll give an example. BT maize. BT maize is a GM maize variety. There's uh, the maize, the maize uh, DNA, and the BT. BT is a soil bacteria, Bacillus thuringiensis in scientific terms. So there's co- they've combined them. The reason they've combined them is that the the the, the BT the Bacillus thuringiensis bacteria provides a resistance to pests. And this pest could be like pests that are commonly attack maize, such as the fall armyworm. But what they also fail to mention is that the Bt uh, DNA in the Bt maize does not completely provide resistance to all types of pests. So at some point... You're going to use the pest. Uh, you're going to use pesticides to be able to control. I mean, it's pests. like anything. Oh. There'll there'll be a strain of ants or precisely. worms that will become resistant to whatever it has. Precisely, right? precisely. Okay. The same thing with BT cotton. Remember, right now our farmers are growing BT cotton in in Kenya, right? After field after the field trials were approved by the National Biosafety Authority and then KEFIS, Kenya Plant Health Inspectorate Service, the BT cotton again. Uh, it's supposed to provide resistance to the bolgard. This is a pest that att- uh, attacks the, the the cotton. So what about the other pests that are not accounted for? Eventually, a farmer is going to have to use uh, pesticides. And we've seen cases of this. We've seen examples. I'm speaking from areas where BT cotton has been used. And it's important to mention that just across our, our nation, in, in Burkina Faso, farmers were introduced to BT cotton. Um, they were they were they were convinced by Monsanto that BT cotton is a better variety of cotton than their um, 
indigenous cotton. The farmers in, in Burkina Faso were growing the indigenous local cotton. They were convinced, okay, this one is resistant to the bulgard uh, worm, so you can grow it and you'll be able to get better yields. Right, you're you're yeah. very well uh, very well versed in this subject. I'm blown yeah. away, actually. But, That's who she is. But, yeah. but, but the truth is, the farmers in Burkina Faso stopped growing BT cotton. Why? They said that the seeds were too expensive. They could not afford it. Right. F- is that going to be a problem here, buying the that, seeds? That is actually a problem. Not even going to be a problem. It is actually a problem. Okay, as early as um, last uh, last year in November, farmers, uh, BT cotton farmers in Busia, for example, were already saying the price of the, of the cotton, of BT cotton was too high. It was going for 2,200 Kenya shillings for a kg. As early I mean, as this who year. who can afford that? Seriously. How many farmers yeah, can afford fair that? Enough. I know you have a question, Davina. No, yeah. I, there's so many, so many questions coming. Keep them coming in. 0701-984-984. Claire, um, I have a question here from Stephen. He's a molecular biologist working at Kenyatta University. He says, uh, not all GMOs come from multinational companies. Is that is that accurate? Well, the technology itself is patented. And in Kenya, we are yet to see a laboratory that can actually come up with a GM technology or a GM variety. But even if it they is extremely could, expensive. Even if they could. Even if they could. It's like big pharma, right? They'll yes. Be, they'll be squashed at some point. Yes, because the, the companies own the patent right. Rights. And so in the US, they're saying you're not going to take money out of our pockets. No, no. This this is our technology. So if it's the technology that is owned by this particular company, then you have to pay royalties to them. If you have to pay royalties to them, it essentially means you're a slave. You cannot produce your own food because this company owns the seeds. And seeds are common. Seeds are public goods. They're not supposed I to be I've, sold. I think I've been converted. Yes! <laughs> oh my gosh! What prompted the previous ban on GMO? Why do we have a ban on GMO? So the, the, the 2012 ban was basically as a result of a report that was done by a French scientist, Seralini, and it is essentially showed that um, when rats were fed with GM maize, they were able to develop some tumors which were pr- presumed uh-huh. to be cancerous. So that's why it was banned in 2012. But now the question comes, from 2012 till now, it's been 10 years. Has the National Biosafety Authority, which is the body or the agency mandated by the Kenyan government under the Katagina Protocol of Biosafety to make sure that whichever GM plant or GM variety is being introduced in Kenya, there's an assessment to show that it has no impact on human health, it has no impact on the environment in terms of environmental contamination. Has that been done? It's been 10 years. The National Biosafety Authority, together with the Kenyan government, have lifted the ban on GMOs. But do we have an assessment that actually shows that this is the reason why we've lifted the ban on GMOs. We've done these studies for the past 10 years since November 2012 since GMOs were banned in Kenya and this is the research we've found. Okay. Claire, Idris is asking, do you think, uh, why why do you think the ban has been lifted? Is it just a lot of people saying changes need to be made, we need to keep voters happy? I think the reason the ban has been lifted is to create a market for the US products. (laughs) And we've seen that in the papers where the U.S. Um, trade representatives were actually complaining that the reason why they cannot sell their products in Kenya is because of the ban uh, Kenya has on, on GMOs. So now that the ban has been lifted, we have uh, U.S. trade representatives in Kenya. They are looking at ways of negotiating on how to trade with Kenya based on the AGOA Act because we know that the, the AGOA Act uh, deals end, end in 2025. Yeah, so I they're would doing li- that. I would like to request that Claire stays with us. Forever. <laughs> 
I know for you're a busy, little while but... after the eight o'clock okay. news. Is that okay, Claire? Because we, I think I think we've only scratched the surface of this conversation. It would be a real shame to end it at eight. 98.4 Capital FM You will have the, the, the argument though, Claire, that um, we need to solve a big food insecurity issue now, right? That will be the argument. Uh, and that, you know, every year around this time, we're flagging off food trucks. Well, the last four years, it's been more or less the same, right? It becomes a big presidential thing where they flag off a food truck. Our current president, His Excellency, uh, William Ruto, uh, recently said he hopes this is the last time that we're flagging off a food truck to go to the north of the country, right, during a drought. Mm-hmm. And in but, the same breath, but, he lifts a ban on GMOs. But, but, I mean, obviously, this is all part of the same narrative, right? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, <laughs> you know, saying it and then taking us to a place of food security are two different things. Is GMO the quickest, shortest route? No, no, how damaging it is, how dangerous it is to getting to that place where we're not flagging off food trucks in the future? And um, Farid, I think we need to move away from food security. Right. We need to move into the conversation of food sovereignty. Food sovereignty, I mean the right of Kenyans to dictate their own food, to choose the kind of food that they want to consume. So what is happening with GMOs is that Someone is dictating to us what we need to eat. And this is the multinational companies that produce some of these GM crops. And as a country, we have our own foods. And um, whenever we talk about food insecurity in Kenya, we're always speaking about maize, maize shortage. But don't we have other grains that we can actually consume? Don't we have millet? Don't we have sorghum? Don't we have cassava? Don't we have sweet potatoes? Other grains that, other foods that are local that can actually provide the same carbohydrates, the same starch that maize provides. So we need to move away from the conversation of food security to food sovereignty, where as a country, we are eating food that is locally relevant for us, food that is locally available. That is the conversation we need to move to. And for we to achieve food sovereignty, we need to address certain structural problems that are actually making our country um, have uh, food scarcity. So we need to address the issue of water. We have drought. Drought is a natural phenomenon. But famine, which is associated with drought, is a structural issue that can actually be controlled by the government if it wanted to. So for instance... The meteorological department has predicted that we're going to be receiving rainfall, right? What has been put in place in regions such as Wajia? I saw Wajia has already started raining. What measures have been put in place to make sure that the surface runoff, you know, the water running off the the ground is actually collected Mm. and put somewhere or kept somewhere so that pastoralists in Wajia do not have to cry about their livestock dying? We've seen in Kajiado, pastoralists like crying, you know, selling your cow at 500. That's sad. Actually, I read the prices of cows have gone down to 200 shillings in certain areas. At Precisely. This point, so, yeah. Okay, fine. Yeah. Ay, ay, ay. What, what more to be said, but we're going to keep her in studio. That is Claire Nasike, environmental scientist, food systems practitioner, Greenpeace Africa, at Miss Nasike on social media. 98.4 Capital FM. So, uh, Marianne, you've messaged and you've asked Claire, Claire, how do we know that the grains we have been importing are not grown with GMO? 
so um so far since we had the ban the ban on gmos um i think it was maize um soy uh maize is still corn yeah yeah so we have that we have had um that that was um those are the major crops that probably Kenya would have imported that are gmos but since we had the ban um we hadn't had that but there was um issues of um aromat that had um traces of gm uh, gm in it and that was taken off the market so we have had that you know a uh, few instances where some of the products that were in the Kenyan market had gmos and uh, that was taken down uh from from the Kenyan but, market. So you trust the testing? Yeah, so I was going to say some surely things can sneak by or, or yeah, pass. Things, yeah, things can sneak by, but I think uh if we do we have kebs. Uh, okay. If we do the testing, then we are able to identify what are the gmos, what are the non-gmos. Um, Brian, I love this comment. It's disappointing how apparent business interests are often sanitized to a desperate populace as a solution to food insecurity, especially in Africa, where we're generally anxious about this issue. How does more expensive seed that's proprietary and licensed by a foreign entity become beneficial? I agree with Brian. It is definitely not beneficial. I think if the government was really really keen on addressing issues to do with food scarcity in the country, first of all it would be making sure that the farmers have the right to share and exchange seeds. As we speak to you right now, there's um there's a law in Kenya, the Seed and Plant Varieties Act, CAP 326, that makes it illegal for farmers to save share or exchange seeds and if these are local seeds mm. so they're saying if you're sharing uncertified or unregistered seeds then you're committing an offense and you have to pay a fine of 1 million Kenya shillings or you'll be fined for 2 years so think about it how many farmers can actually afford 1 million 1 million Kenya shillings we know a lot of farmers in Kenya smallholder farmers so that is already punitive that that is that already paves the way for farmers to use gmo seeds which are you know certified they are regulated all that now uh we we have also got this question is the farmer forced to use gmo f- seeds the farmers are not forced to use gmo seeds but now the problem comes in for those farmers who are willing to use the gmo seeds and then they end up discovering that they have been sold a lie you know you're being told you're going to increase yields you're going to make profits but then you find that the cost of buying the seed is actually too expensive i'll give an example right now farmers are using hybrid maize varieties um to that they're growing hybrid maize varieties but majority of them are growing these maize varieties based on loans they're taking loans that's why we have so many agricultural loans ex- in existence they're taking the loans to buy the hybrid maize varieties and these hybrid maize varieties for them to do well require fertilizers require a lot of pesticides so we are tying the farmers in a cycle of debt where they're constantly purchasing to pay they grow to pay they are not growing to sustain themselves mm. basically farming is a livelihood is a source of life a source of income like any other like we go to work to to earn a living right farmers go to the farm to earn a living so when we are constantly tying these farmers in a cycle of debt you know i'm taking a loan to buy the hybrid seed i'm taking a loan to buy this then there's there's a problem there and we need to move our farmers away from that second farmers who are not willing to grow the the gm varieties there's the issue of contamination of their crops with gmos 
we know that G- if you're growing GMOs, you're required to live a certain distance, for example, 30 meters distance, to avoid contaminating the other person's farm who is not growing GMOs. But looking at the situation in Kenya, how feasible is it? We have small-scale farmers. Majority of them grow food on probably less than five hectares. Actually, of, of, you have farmland that's that's partitioned into 12 or 15 different farms anyway. Precisely. How are you going to control that? So we are we are definitely setting up our farmers f- on issues to do with patent rights because now we will we will soon hear Kenyan farmers have gone to court because they've been taken to court because you know they've been growing GM seed varieties without the licensing without the licensing and all that. We've seen that happen in Brazil. It has been happening in mm. Argentina. It has happened across the world. What what do farmers feel? Can can we just put ourselves in the mind of the farmer? Right? Are they being sold a lie? Is that mm. what's happening with if because you just mentioned that they'll realize that actually the promises that were made will not come true. The only thing that's true is that it's more expensive. Are they being sold a lie? Are they are they buying into the GMO way of doing things because they're being sold a lie? I mean, let's look at the BT cotton, for example, right? We had the feed trials done and then the farmers were given the BT, the BT cotton seed, they used it, and then afterwards they had to buy. But there was an outcry from the farmers as, as last year, November last year, farmers were saying, you know, the prices of the BT cotton is too high as compared to the other local cotton that they were growing. So what are we doing to that? We, we are enslaving our farmers. We are providing them with seeds that these farmers cannot afford and then there's also the issue of supply and multiplication at one point the farmers were preparing to grow the the bt cotton and then there are no seeds and this was during the planting season and there were no seeds so now say that in terms of the bt maize we we know when we speak of food insecurity in kenya it's maize so now we're fronting bt maize seeds it's planting time let's say right now the short rain season and there's a shortage of supply of the seeds where will the farmers find the seeds Aren't we looking at a situation where now Kenyans have no food because one company holds the rights to mm. supply us with seeds? Mm. What are we doing to ourselves as a country? 98.4 Capital FM Well, we have to thank her in some way. Thank you so much for coming and spending the morning with us. At Miss Nasike on social media, environmental scientist, food systems practitioner, practitioner and Greenpeace Africa Uh, now one last question from one of our beloved listeners Joan who listens in who feeds her babies who works her job and and of course listens to Capital FM Joan asks what can one do to support anti-GMO initiatives and is that even a thing yes it is a thing Um, one you can do that by supporting farmers who grow food without using uh, GM seeds Um, that actually encourages the farmers to keep producing more. It gives them the hope that, you know, we can actually produce food that is locally relevant, food that is safe for Kenyans to consume. So that's one way he can do it. The other thing is he can join organizations such as Greenpeace in in a voluntary capacity um, that are advocating against the use of uh, of GMOs. So then that way his voice is heard uh, in whichever activities that, that Greenpeace is carrying out. The third thing he can do is also educate. I'm sure where he is, there are farmers. If he can access farmers, um, educate the farmers on the dangers of GMOs, share the clips, such some clips like this one now, share the clips with the farmers so that farmers know that these are the dangers associated with GMOs. Those are some of the few things that he can actually do. And also use social media. Nowadays, we live online. Use your social media to sort of, you know, educate people online what are 
what are GMOs or are the dangers? Because there's been a lot of misinformation between GMOs and hybrids. People sort of confuse the two. So GMOs are different from hybrids. How? A hybrids basically it's the same species. So you're mixing, you find that, let's say, I'll give an example with maize. You have one maize variety that is drought resistant and the other maize variety that is pest resistant. So you combine those two mm. traits together and you have one maize variety that has both qualities. I'm guessing hybrid is a whole different conversation. I yes, would imagine, hybrid right? is a whole different conversation. Um, th- there's a, a comment here uh, from Eric who said, good interview on GMOs. Claire's dropping it like it's hot. A very sobering conversation. And I think it was really important that we have this conversation. And I think, you know we were discussing it off is this perhaps this even that we're considering this uh, as a as a country uh, because of food security issues is this the percep- perceived quickest way to food security that will make a population say cool that job was done we can move on now without knowing the actual dangers of of what we could be getting ourselves into Whatever is happening right now is a short-term solution to a long-term problem. Yeah. What President Ruto is doing is just applying a quick fix to a problem that is structural, addressing the issues to do with water, um, addressing issues to do with the shortage of agricultural extension officers, addressing issues to do with um, water becoming scarce because of contamination from the use of pesticides and, and chemical fertilizers. We've seen Lake Victoria. There was an expose done by Nation TV that uh, Lake Victoria was, uh, it had a lot of nutrients. These are nutrients that cause eutrophication. You see the green stuff that is normally in Lake Victoria, that algae Mm. comes from fertilizers. So we are having our freshwater resources. Destroying our environment. Precisely. Ah, human beings. So those are the things that the president should be looking at and making sure that farmers can actually save and share seeds. If you cannot save your own seeds, share your own seeds, then you can't grow food. You can't be a farmer. And what is going to happen eventually is that if farmers have no access to seed, they are going to abandon farming. And if we abandon farming, then we are going to be at the mercy of other countries to actually feed us as Kenyans. The USA. All right, we're going to leave it there. Thank you so much for coming in. At Miss Nasike on social media, at Greenpeace Africa. 98.4 Capital FM.